is a New Year's, not resolution, but revolution. A New Year's revolution. <laughs> you know, New Year's Eve we were here. As much as I've got some rest, it's been busy still. I mean, this is probably the busiest Christmas that we've experienced as a church. And New Year's Eve, um, kind of after all the proceedings were done, and it must have been about 2 o'clock in the morning, we was around the back and I was having a chat with someone. <laughs> it was actually Ashley, I don't know if he's here, hot him up. He was like, he was like Pastor Rob. We started, obviously, proceedings before midnight in the run-up to midnight and wanted to celebrate at midnight. So th- when I come in to, to, to share my message, because I was down to do the, the, the message for New Year's Eve, like, I was halfway through the message and it's two minutes to midnight. And I was like, is everybody going to be more interested in, in the message than the celebration? And um, we, including myself, we went for the celebration at midnight, which meant I had to come back to the message, right? So, <laughs> so Ashley's right, like part one, part two. So Ashley's like, you know what, Pastor Rob's like, it's the first time I ever heard a message span two years. <laughs> Let's hope that it's not gonna, that's not going to be the case today, amen? A New Year's revolution. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Father, thank you. Thank you for your amazing grace that's kept us in this last year. And um, thank you that we got solid ground to stand on with reference to your faithfulness for the coming year. And not even the coming year, but just the, the next day. The next 24 hours, because Lord, we can't even worry about the next year as much as we just need to think about um, being faithful in this, this next, next day that we're confronted with. Sufficient is the drama, the difficulty, the evil for today, let alone for the rest of the, the week, month, or year. And we just want to commit ourselves here at this point, asking you for great wisdom, asking you for strength, for vision, Lord, for clarity. Um, for stability, Um, Lord, everything that we need in order that not only we might continue to stand and having done all to stand, Lord, but that our lives would bring glory to your light, our lives would bring glory to your name. Um, Father, would you allow this message, maybe in some small way, contribute to that end, I pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Uh, Our text, sorry, I forgot to put it up, is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you could turn there real quickly with me, I'd like to read the first 10 verses. And I'm on the clock, and my son's going to help me, and my nephew, who are in the front row. They're going to keep me on track. They warned me. I'll be in trouble if I don't, because the kids are in today, and um, we can't deal with a long sermon. Amen. Okay, so hopefully you're there. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. The writer is Paul, and I'm reading from the ESV, and he says, I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to to be gained by it, (laughs) I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking about the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that, 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 that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, 
insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now we're talking today about a revolution. But it's the time of the year um, that's popular for, for resolutions, right? Some of the top 50 resolutions <laughs> this year, you probably can't see the, the list. I'll read it out to you. I've got the, the first 17 of the top 50, and then I've got some, some selected ones. Get in shape. Normally, t- probably the first one that comes up as a resolution this time of year. Start eating healthier food and less food overall. Number three, stop procrastinating. Four, improve your concentration and mental skills. Five, meet new people. Six, become more active. Seven, become more confident and take some chances. Eight, earn more money. Ten, oh, ten, I missed out nine. I think it was a bit, it was a bit inappropriate. <laughs> ten is reduce stress. <laughs> Eleven, learn to be happier with your life. 12, get to bed earlier. 13, give up cigarettes. 14, watch less TV. 15, read more. 16, find a significant other. 17, 17, drink more water. And then the rest of them get a bit dodgy. So I've gone 20, spend more time with the people that matter. This is is still out of that list. 22, get out of debt. 23, start saving money. 33, change career. 34, stop being late all the time. 39, start being more responsible. And number 41, spend less time on social media. And I suppose you could add a few there, maybe for us even here today. Maybe someone's resolution can be attend, attend church more often. Maybe someone's resolution can be, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. Maybe someone else's I want to get more involved in church, especially on the back of Pastor E's message last week, you know what I'm saying, which made reference to me versus us, and us being vital with reference to actually me being me. I can't actually be me apart from community. How many of you know God didn't create us to live in a vacuum, you know what I'm saying? And um, so it's the time of the year... When many people take the opportunity to do three things. First of all, personally evaluate their lives. Personal evaluation. The second thing that people tend to do is they have a commitment to personal transformation. Right? I can't remember. There's a statement that says something like a, 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 a desire that isn't put into practice is just a wish. Sorry, just murdered the statement, but you get the sentiment, right? Um, So personal evaluation, personal transformation, but often it's it's empowered by self-motivation. Now, that's not completely a bad thing, um, but again, just to make the point, it's you're evaluating where you're at um, and then endeavoring to change, and it's intrinsically motivated as opposed to being externally motivated. This time of the year, it's not so much people telling you what you should do. It's you feeling like, you know what? It's a new year, man. I need to think about my life and I need to think about transformation. I need to think about change. And I'm saying, and you resolve to execute change. And if you succeed, one of the things that, um, well, well, if you succeed, like which many don't, right? Um, at, At least in a perfect and in a permanent sense, um, if, you, if you do succeed, one of the things that you will find very hard not to do is boast about it. Because it's an achievement, isn't it? When you set, set a goal and you say, I'm going to do this and like, boom, I'm going to put these things in place. Once you achieve that, you feel like, hey. And it's very hard not to communicate how, hey, like, like how heavy I was at fulfilling this particular personal commitment. And, and that's what happens every first two weeks of the year. And in light of that, I'd like to, to suggest two things. One, I'd like to suggest when human strength is at its peak, as Christians, we confess to be weak. 
when, at a time when human strength is at its peak, as Christians, we are better off confessing that we're weak. And when we recognize our weakness, then number two, we can access God's power. And as a result, we're strengthened. And our boast, therefore, then is in God and not in ourselves. Now, being strong in the world's eyes is one thing. But being strong in God's eyes is another. And at the beginning of this new year, understanding our weakness may be the most powerful catalyst for true transformation. Even a New Year's revolution. In our text, this church, the church that's in Corinth, um, probably roughly about 50, 60, 50 to 60 AD, this church was very unaware of its weaknesses. And Paul starts off his, his first letter to them with a topic he then comes back to in our portion. How many of you know this is the, we're, coming, we're at the end of 2 Corinthians? We're at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, his first letter to this church. He starts off with this topic that he's now going to end on in our text. So in chapter 1, he says to this church, he says to these believers, he says, you're called by God. But notice, he says, I want, to, I want to let you know from the gate, not many of you <laughs> are wise. Not many of you are noble. You know where you're coming from. You know what I'm saying? And, and he says, you were actually weak. And that's the word he uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You're weak. But they didn't realize that. He says, Jesus became your wisdom because you really didn't have any Therefore, boast in him and not yourself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, For consider your calling, brothers and sisters, if you like. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world. See the word? To shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts not in themselves, but in the Lord. Right? So that's chapter 1. In chapter 2, Paul, the writer of the book, he then confesses that he himself is weak in verse 2 of chapter 2. Then in chapter 4, we see that there was an element of pride in these believers. And on the, in the backdrop, we understand that they were very gifted. You see that come up in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, like Pastor E mentioned last week. You know what I'm saying? So they were very gifted, but had quickly forgotten that if there was anything that was great about them, it wasn't down to them. It originally came from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, Paul sarcastically says, he says, you know what? We as apostles, we're weak, but you're strong. And he's being sarcastic. And, at that, and, and that's the point. In their foolishness, they thought that they were strong, but actually they were terribly weak. I mean, if you know, you read from First Corinthians, that these believers, they were struggling with pride and arrogance that we just saw, sexual immorality in First Corinthians 5. There were lawsuits going on between them, Christian, like brother taking brother to court in chapter 6. There were marriage misunderstandings and they were getting drunk and constantly being inconsiderate, we heard last week. When we get to chapter 10, Paul says, take heed. Take heed. 1 Corinthians 10, verse, 1 Corinthians 11, sorry, verse, sorry, that should be 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. He says, therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands... Take heed lest he fall. If anyone thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. 
And in 2 Corinthians 10, in the next book, he says, he says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's a reiteration again of what he said in chapter 1. You know what I'm saying? For it, is, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. And in 2 Corinthians 11, the chapter prior, previous to our chapter, oh, I've got my verse things mixed up. He says, oh, wrong verse. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 30 says, If I must boast, I will boast in the things that show my weakness. If I'm going to boast, he says, I'm going to boast in the things that show my what? My weakness. Now, many of Paul's listeners, they weren't feeling this. Like, you're trying to tell us that we're weak. And as a result, they slighted him as an apostle. And they rejected his apostolic credentials, right? Now, they didn't rate Paul. And in contrast, suggested that he was inferior to their highly rated super apostles. Because there was another group of teachers and leaders that they rated. But they didn't rate Paul. He, was in a, he weren't in the Premier League. He was down in some conference league, if they still got the conference leagues that they used to, way down. And, and Paul then begins to say, okay, you want to compare me to these other guys? Cool. And Paul begins, again, if you like, to answer them sarcastically. And Paul begins boasting, which sounds a bit contradictory, which is how we get to verse 1 of our text. He's in the process of boasting and talking about himself. Verse 1 of our text says, I must go on boasting, because he's already started, right? He continues. I must go, no chapter divisions in the Bible originally, right? Added by the translator. So he says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. He says, I'm going to go on to visions. I'm going to move, I'm going to ratchet this up to another level, because he was talking about all the stuff they'd experienced and all the stuff he'd been through. He says, I'm now going to go into visions and revelations of the Lord. And here Paul begins to to actually talk about himself, but he's not going to take any glory for his achievements. In the previous chapter, when listing the things that made him an apostle, he keeps saying, I don't want to do this. It's like, but you made me do it. He's like, I can't believe I'm doing this. (laughs) He says, I must be crazy. I'm speaking really foolishly. I'm acting, acting actually as if I'm very gassed. And so as to exemplify, if you like, his humility, he now goes as far as to start speaking in the third person. Because he's trying to separate himself from himself, but at the same time he's trying to, he's trying to indicate that there's much that he could be boasting about, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? In an attempt to step out of the spotlight, if you like, as much as he can, and he boasts, quote-unquote, but eventually... In God rather than in himself. And instead of glorifying in his apparent greatness. You know what I'm saying? Because he focuses on his evident weakness. Watch. Hopefully that made sense. Verse 2. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. He's actually talking about himself. And we're going to see, we're going to see that proved in a minute. He says, I know a man. In Christ, 14 years ago, now 14 years ago, with reference to Paul, was roughly about the time he was converted, you know what I'm saying? And during the process of his conversion, and then, um, if, if, if you like, the end of his ministry, if you like, uh, well, at least up to the end of the book of Acts, Paul has these amazing visions, and you know what I'm saying? He, 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 he at one point, um, particularly, um, as, Paul, Paul has supernatural occurrences that take place where God communicates with him. And, 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 and he says, he says, and the funny thing is, it happened 14 years ago. And it seems like it's kind of like the first time he's even talking about it. Now, anyone who had the kind of visions that Paul had would, naturally speaking, be inclined to want to talk about it. But he didn't. 14 years. You know what I'm saying? He makes reference to... And, 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 he, and, and he talks about the fact that it was caught up to the third heaven. Now, you know, there are three heavens, at least f- um, from what we understand in, in reference to what the Bible explains and, and, and gives us insight to. The first heaven is what? Think back to Genesis 1. The first heaven is the sky. 
You know what I'm saying? The first heaven is, is the stratospheric heaven. It's where the stratosphere where, where, where the stratosphere ends, that's where the first heaven is completed. Then you've got the second heaven, which is called the stellar heavens space. You know what I'm saying? But then you have a third heaven, which is described as God's abode. Now, it doesn't mean that if you go up, and you know, here we go, like the rocket the other day, right? I don't know which Soyuz it is. Or up, and it goes through the, through, the, through, the spa, through, through the stratosphere, and now it's into space. It, it doesn't antis- this doesn't anticipate that if you keep on going, you eventually get to God's abode. You know what I'm saying? Um, but at least it, in order to give us something to get the arms of our mind around, you know what I'm saying? Paul says, he's caught up to this third heaven. And he says, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. It's like, at one point in Acts 22, he gets caught up in a trance. You know what I'm saying? And it's, he doesn't know whether or not, like, you know, he lied down. Was it, I can't remember, was it, was it Clash of the Titans? I saw a couple of days ago over the Christmas. And this woman's lying down. I don't even know who she is. She's lying down and she's sleeping. And all of a sudden, you see her get out of herself and walk out, and this big, this, this flying dragon eagle thing takes her away, and then brings her back, and then she comes back, and she climbs back into her body. Like, I don't, I can't explain what happened with Paul, and I think that's what he's trying to say. And I don't know if God literally took me up there, or, you know what I'm saying, or if I was just in a dream, or it was a, tr- a trance. God knows. And he says, I know, verse 3, that this man was caught up into paradise, Right? If you like heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Now, if anyone had the privilege of seeing these things in heaven, I would say that 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 would be a temptation to boast. Some have apparently, quote unquote, had the same experience, right? And attempted to write books about it. For me, that, that nullifies their so-called experience, if I'm going to take the Bible um, to be true. You know what I'm saying? A, a dream, yes, like, fair enough, you can have a dream that you've gone to heaven. You know what I'm saying? But, but don't write a book about it. You know what I mean? Because the danger is somebody could easily take that and then begin to build their, 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 their biblical understanding, you know what I'm saying? their faith on some vision or some dream that somebody had somewhere. You know what I mean? And, and, they, and, and people tend to do that as well. I had this dream, I had this vision. It was so clear. It was, so, it was obviously God. And they begin to build their, construct their lives on that. It's dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you're talking about Isaiah, you, you chat to me about Ezekiel, you know what I'm saying? Or John, John, or John, who wrote the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and chapter 5, he talks about heaven. It's like, I'm cool with that. But I'm not interested in these modern day prophets. You know what I'm saying? And I'd encourage you not to fool around with that stuff either. You know what I mean? Paul just said the stuff he heard up there is unlawful to talk about. Although it would be tempting because, I mean, you could milk that and get mad ratings. He chose not to. Listen to verse 5. He says, on behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except in my weaknesses. This Corinthian church, this group of people, they were very unaware of their weaknesses. Yet, they were being instructed by a man who was very aware of his. How many of you know it's okay to acknowledge the fact that you're weak? And hopefully that should be liberating it's okay to acknowledge the fact that you're weak. And if you do, you're on the way to having a real supernatural, not couple of weeks resolution, but you're on the way to having a New Year's revolution, which is much greater than a self-made resolution. But this is, this is hard, <clears throat> and it's unusual because... Our natural inclination is to think that we're what? Is that we're strong. No, man, I can do this. You know what I'm saying? Even if I don't believe it, I, have to, I tell myself I can do this. You know what I mean? I convince myself. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing in a total and complete sense, but what I am saying is that, that know that that's our natural inclination, that we can, I got, we can do this. I got, I got this. That's our natural inclination <clears throat> to think that we're strong and we... And we, and we will find 
any little thing in ourselves to boast about. Now, some of you know, some of you may or may not know, I really like photography and um, I like to take photos. But more than taking photos, I like people, I like, I like to take good photos. Helen said to me, it was just yesterday, I think, in the kitchen or maybe the day before, and I'm saying this whole restful holiday, kind of like, I don't know which day, what day is it today? It's, we're here and it's Sunday. I'm like, she was like, Robert, man, like, you take some good pictures. And I was like, ah, oh, watch. I was like, ah. Oh. I was like, honey, I've got to take a hundred good pictures to get one good picture. You know what I mean? Now, it may not sound like it, but that was a real casual way of me kind of boasting. You know what I mean? I just brushed it off slightly. You know what I mean? And, and so I'm round about, it's New Year's Eve. I begin to tell this story. And, and yeah, it was New Year's. This is another conversation. A lot, a lot happened on New Year's Eve. Actually, it was New Year's Day because it was after midnight. Round the back and having this conversation with someone and photography came up. It was a young lady. She was telling me she was doing a photography course and doing media at uni. I was like, really? I was like, hey, okay. What kind of camera you got? <laughs> you know what I mean? This is me getting ready, you know. I was like, what kind of camera you got? And she told me and her camera weren't as on it as my camera. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't even say that. Look, see, she said to me, she's like, oh, she had a, she said, I had a feeling you had a bad, you had a nice camera. And I was like, mm. I was like, yeah. But what, I was, I was like, but look, I said, I was, look, I'm, I said, look, in photography, you've got kind of three levels. You've got, you got um, the beginner, like novice level, you know what I'm saying? Like consumer, like prosumer cameras. They're good cameras. If you're talking DSLR, digital, you know, what I'm, cameras, they're good cameras, but it's, 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 it's entry level. Thank you, Marky. You know what I mean? And, um, and, and I was at entry level for about seven, eight years. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, you probably never even knew that I had a camera them days. You know what I mean? But I was able to say, yeah, yeah, kind of... Kind of st- I'm not professional. You know what I mean? But I said, I mean, that amateur, it's, I said, my camera's nice, but it's just the amateur level. It's just middle level. You know what I mean? And, and um, if we go on to the point where I said, I said to her, I said to her, you know, I, I, I'm no professional, but I said, somebody asked me to, to shoot their wedding. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, asked me to shoot their wedding. And, and I said, hey, I'm not charging them. <laughs> just in case the, the pictures don't come out nice. I can't really charge them. But I took some pictures at someone else's wedding. They were like, ooh. It's like, Rob, your pictures, man. They were better than the professional pictures that the person took. This is me. Now, I'm not saying I'm the greatest, you know, but can you hear, can you hear me boasting? Uh, Bertram's like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, it's, it's, it's our inclination to be our own personal cheerleader. I mean, now, now don't hear me say you need to put yourself down. You know what I'm saying? That's not what I'm saying. Uh, and, and, and I'm also not saying that it's wrong to advertise your business. I'm not saying it's wrong to fill out a CV. Come on now. You know what I mean? Romans, but Romans chapter 12 is really helpful. If I've got the right verse. There we go. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, same writer says Paul, For, the grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. See, that's not saying, oh, you put yourself down and you know what I'm saying, you can't do anything and you can't. No, that's not, that's not what. But it's just saying, just be so, just easy. Take time, you know what I'm saying, with the inclination that you may necessarily have to boast about, about yourself. You know what I'm saying? Look at verse 6 of our text. He says, Paul says, though, if. I should wish to boast, right? I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, he says, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. You hear his humility? See, it's just being constantly cognizant of the fact that what do I have that I didn't receive? And we have to work hard at this because we're naturally boasty. We're naturally boastful and therefore need to be aware. 
You know, the word boast, it means to vaunt. It means, and how many of you know, like our culture, it means to vaunt, it means to brag, it means to make much of, to gloat, to give oneself airs, to parade, to flaunt. It means to show off or be flash. <laughs> that's actually in the dictionary. I was like, yo, that's taking it back to the 80s. Man, you think you're so flash. <laughs> Boasting. In a summary statement, boasting is to speak with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievements, possessions, or abilities. But notice, if we don't take heed and be careful not to boast, God may possibly take action. Look at verse 7. Paul goes on to say, so, now this is a brother who's not even boasty. He's trying not to boast, even though he could do. And I'm saying, verse 7, he says, So to keep me from being too elated or too haughty or self-exalted above measure, he says, so to keep me from being like that by the surpassing greatness of the revelations that I've had. Now, before I just make the point, this proves that the man Paul was speaking about earlier was him. Right? Because he says, so to keep me from being, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. You see that? He says, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated, too elevated, too bossy or boastful. A thorn. Now, you know, a thorn is something that's pointed and it's sharp. (laughs) Sharp. Is this literal? Well, some suggest it was an illness or physical infirmity. i.e. A, a painful affliction. Some have suggested that Paul had failing eyesight, because I think it's in Galatians, he makes reference to the fact that when I came to you, you guys were so good to me, you would have plucked out your own eyes and would have given them to me, he says. So some suggest that maybe he had failing eyesight, you know what I'm saying, and he struggled in that sense. Some say he had a stammer or a speech impediment, so that he was, he was, he was such a great... He had such a great mind and he communicated such deep thought and understanding. You know what I'm saying? Like his stammer could potentially, like, okay, like, he would even say in his, like in his writings, he'd write and his writings were heavy. You would read it like, oh, this bread, oh. But then when he turns up, they're like, rah, you. You're the bread of the, you never wrote this. You got some ghostwriter or something. You know, like you. And so, but it's all conjecture. We're not sure exactly what it was, but we know it was something. And I'm glad he's not specific about it because we can identify our struggles in the blank space provided. Paul says that the thorn in the flesh related to one of Satan's messengers sent to harass or to afflict Paul. Now, we, can, we know that like, from our biblical theology, that can be a number of different things. You know what I'm saying? It could be depression. It could be sickness. It could be a, a number of different things. You know what I'm saying? It could be like we saw Job lose his business as a direct result of the devil. God saying, all right, then I'm going to let you at, at, at Job. And the devil's like, okay. And literally back to back drama. What happens? The first thing is, 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 is kids are having a party. Here comes a storm or something, tornado, mash up the house. All these kids die. And then and someone comes and says, Job, guess what happened to your kids? And they're telling him the story. And as they're telling him the story, here comes another servant to say, Rah, I got to interrupt. I mean, that's bad, but you know what? Some lightning just struck and, 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 and set on fire all of your crops and everything's gone. And then as that, they're saying that, somebody else is coming and saying, look, all of your animals, every single one, every striking one is dead. Back to back to back. And all of those things are as a result of the devil having at Job. Can I get a witness? Warren Wiersbe has a great statement. He says, look, he says, some of Paul's good friends may have tried to encourage him by saying, cheer up, Paul. Even those things um, that are, uh, even though things are tough one day, you'll be in heaven. Paul could have then replied, rah. 
He says, that's why I have this drama. That's why I have this fawn. It's because I already went to heaven. <laughs> I don't know if you see the, I mean, it's the funny side of that. I don't know, you know what I mean? But it's like, this, this would be a periodically sharp and possible painful reminder for Paul, helpfully humbling him. Albert Barnes says, <clears throat> that is, God was pleased to appoint to me. See, see, Paul sees this actually as something that is, is helping him. See, if Albert Barnes says, that is, God was pleased to appoint to me, speaking on Paul's behalf, if you like. The word which, which Paul uses is worthy of special notice. It is, that, it is that this thorn in the flesh was given to him, implying that it was a favor. He does not complain of it. He does not say it was sent in cruelty. He does not even speak of it as an affliction. He speaks of it as a gift. As any man would do of a favor that had been bestowed, Paul had so clear a view of the benefits which resulted from it that he regarded it as a favor, as Christians should every trial. I mean, we heard our sister, and I'm saying Carleen and Emmanuel, just moments ago, talk about the drama. You know what I mean? Like New Year's Eve. <laughs> New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Like we, the reason, you know I'm saying, Emmanuel and Carleen shared was because they never had a chance to share New Year's Eve. So, I say so many. A good few people shared on New Year's Eve about just some amazing, just amazing testimony about God's goodness in the face of drama. I think someone said it, without a test, I think it was Sister Fadia, without a test, there's no testimony, you know what I mean? And, and it, was, it was encouraging to hear how on the back of difficult times, you know, one could look back and see God's, God's blessing, even because I, I think one of the things that helped me, and I suspect will help you as a believer, is to know that God is in complete control. You know what I'm saying? I think it was Red. Jason said it. He says, you know what? Look, all this mad, terrible weather we're having. But know that the sun is still shining beyond the clouds. You know what I mean? And, and, and as my sister said earlier, you know what I'm saying? Although weeping endures for a night, know that joy is coming in the morning. You know what I mean? And, and the, 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 the difficult seasons that we experience in our lives, God allows them because he's sovereign. You know what I'm saying? Because you could get caught up in it to the point where you're like, like, Lord, like, what kind of God are you? Like, you, you can't really actually be in control. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be a child. Like, I mean, you want to go and push it real far to like the whole prosperity movement type talk. I'm a king's kid. Like, yo, like, what's the deal? And, and even if it's not just um, kind of, you know, I lost my job or you know what I'm saying? I lost 20 pound or, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, like, I missed the bus just like inches and it's raining. No, I'm, I mean, real difficult stuff. Again, like we heard New Year's Eve, real difficult stuff. You know what I'm saying? Don't be like, well, you know what? Like, I'd never complain if I went through a rough time. Maybe you've been a believer for six months. If you say that, you know what I mean? But, after walking with the Lord a while, remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist, I can see my son, like, that easy with the stories, because um, <clears throat> put his head down. John the Baptist is like, he's God, he's, he's I mean, he's Jesus' boy. You know what I mean? He's seeing things that no one ain't seeing. He's like, John, Jesus is like, you know what? There's many prophets that have been here before, but you see John, you see John the Baptist? He's heavy greatest prophet up to this point. I was like, whoa. And here's John in prison, isn't it? About to get his head chopped off. I would say that don't compare to the light affliction that sometimes we experience, right? And he's like, he's like, wait a minute. He's like, wait a minute. He's like, through the prison bar, yo, brethren, come here. Go and, like, this is one of his disciples. You know what I'm saying? Go and ask Jesus if he's really the one or should we be looking for another now if, now, if I said that, if Pastor Rob said that, you'd be like, yeah, Pastor Rob, yeah, you're human, man. Yeah, I hear that. I know, them, I know them times when you're feeling low and you're like, mm, I don't know if I can cope. 
Uh, John the Baptist. I'm not on John the Baptist levels. Come on. You know what I mean? But if, if John can feel like that, let's be honest, isn't it? Let's not front and act like, yeah, man, praise God, everything's, yeah. Hmm. Can't wait for this new year. If, if you're not in that place, pray, if you're in that place, praise the Lord, isn't it? But you know what they say? Your life as a Christian is a three-part circle. You're either going into drama, you're in the middle of drama, or you're just coming out of drama, getting ready to go back in again. <laughs> now, verse 8, the next verse, seems to contradict what Albert Barnes says in his statement. Verse 8, notice it says, Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord. Wait a minute. Is this the guy that we just said is cool with his phone? <laughs> he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. There's no contradiction. Not in my mind. Why? Have you ever received something you know to be good for you, but you, but you are bawling because it hurts? You know what I mean? It's like an injection, isn't it? Like you take your child to the doctors to get an injection. You, you know it's going to hurt. They don't. And they feel that needle going. They're like, why are you... Do-? Like, they're crying. They can't talk. You know what I mean? But like, the, but the cry says, why are you doing this to me? You, you ask, you, who, who are you? You know what I'm saying? You're evil, personified. Like, but we know that that pain is actually going to bring healing, isn't it? And sometimes, although we know something is good for us, we will bawl because of the pain. And there's no contradiction there. It, not if you're living in the real world. Hello? You know what I'm saying? The initial impact of it could leave you broken, burnt, battered, and bruised. But the long-term effects can leave you... Ultimately, there'll be a blessing. But how many of you know, you may have scars. You know what I mean? You touch that thing, and it don't hurt like it did when the wound was inflicted. But there's a scar there, and you're like, I remember that time. It doesn't go away, you know what I mean? And uh, as we said, individuals in in, in, in this very room gave testimony to those scars that they bear, you know what I mean? Um, but see them as a blessing. And as, as much as that incident, as much as that letdown, that disappointment, that illness, as much as it hurt, you know, when something hurts, you've got a bite, you've got a piece of, like, I see Rambo one time, I don't know, he got, he, he got he, some of, I don't know, he, he, got some, he got stabbed or something, a branch or something. And he's got to get a log and bark down and bear down on that to pull the thing out because of the pain. You ever had that kind of pain? The Bible says of Jesus, come to it in a minute. When he was in the garden, he, he, he sweated great drops of blood. I mean, what kind of p- pressure to your capillaries start bursting? But we know, we, you, we, know we, we, we don't fully know what that is, but we know a little bit of what that feels like. And it hurts. And, but God has used it in our lives, in your life, in my life for good. The Lord allowed it because he's sovereign. And when you, when you believe that, then you can go through any, any, you can go through any. And thankfully, God doesn't give us more than we can bear. You know what I mean? And, and what we see is the Lord allowed this. But that's not where the story ends. Three times he says, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. You know what I'm saying? Um, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power, God says, is made perfect in weakness, and I'm going to give you grace. I'm not going to take it away, but I'm going to give you something that's going to enable you to endure that. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I, I think about the Lord Jesus and, and him being in the garden. How many of you know he did the same thing? Talk about it being like really difficult and like peak. Jesus says, he says, time out. This is this, this probably more than anything. Job is amazing and Joseph, 17 years of drama and prison. All of that is heavy. But I tell you, this, this it peak, it, it just it, it beats all of them hands down when the Lord Jesus says, time out. I can't, Father, I can't do this. You'd be like, but wait a minute, for, et- like for eons, 
and eternity, you've determined Jesus, the Slam of God, slain from the foundations of the earth. Like, from way back, this was determined. Like, you come so far, Jesus. 33 years, you never flopped, not once. And now you're getting to the point where, oh, no. You can imagine all the angels like, And Jesus says, Father, take this cup away from me. And it says three times, just like three times the Lord went. And, he's, and, he's, but, and, and I, I call this moment transfer of power. This, the place of power. Where's Jesus? Jesus is on his knees, on his face in the garden. All these this, this bridges, they're not there to help him. It's him one. And he's on his face. And he's and in that place where he says, Father, I can't do this. But notice, he's talking to the Father. He's praying. It's, this is the, trust me, this is the place of power. You know what I mean? It's not, we're not living in denial. Like, I can do this or, you know what I mean? It's a minor or don't worry about it. No, I'm worried. I'm struggling. But I'm on my knees and I'm saying it to God. And I'm saying, Lord, I can't do this. Jesus, I can't, Father, I can't do this, but yet not my will, your will be done. Like, how, like wait, you read it, it's one sentence. I can't do this, yet not my will, your will. And it's the, it's the place of, of power. That's where you get that power to do what you can't do. There ain't no shortcuts. I wish I could sprinkle something on you or touch you. You know what I'm saying? Or... Or wave a magic wand, like put you in the microwave. I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? It's only going to come in that place. And it's a dark place. And it's a solitary place. Jesus said in John 12, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. How many of you know everybody wants the fruit from the tree? But how's it going to come about? It comes about because a seed determines to die. You know what I'm saying? And that was Jesus giving his life for us. You know what I mean? And thank God he did. But be encouraged that God's grace is sufficient for, for you, for me. You know what I mean? And God's power, which is accessed in that place, you know what I'm saying, is made perfect in your weakness, in my weakness. That's, 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 that's good news for us in this coming year. Come hell or high water. You know what I mean? And sometimes we think that <clears throat> we would be better off without the trial, without the difficulty. Okay. Sometimes we think that we'd be better off without the disaster, not realizing that without it, we wouldn't actually know God's grace experientially. And therefore, have practical acquaintance with that power. Grace. There's two meanings of grace, kind of loose definitions of grace. One is undeserved favor. That's Ephesians 2. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know what I'm saying? There's that boasting again. But it's God giving you favor based on nothing that you do. You don't deserve it. Grace. But then grace also means divine enablement. Divine in it power. Dunamis in Greek is where we get our word dynamo remember back in the day your bicycle with a little thing on the side when the pedal used to when the wheel used to turn used to turn this thing and it used to make your light come on hardly but it used to come on right that, that's a dynamo power it's where we get our word dynamic it's where we get our word dynamite power divine power and and often you know what all this stuff about, yeah, man, we're going to do this and you're not know, going to speak the word and pow. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be healed and like, all of that stuff. It's not that I don't believe in healing, I do. But you know what I'm talking about. All that extra dynamic pyrotechnic stuff that we see sometimes, right? I'm like, real power is when, um, and, uh, is when a sister who has desired a baby, you know what I'm saying, for years and has to see other sisters around there get married, and then within months get pregnant, and I'm saying, and she can't, yet she's still here, still trusting in Jesus. She, she, she don't necessarily come with a Colgate smile all the time, you know what I mean? And she's honest, it hurts, you know what I'm saying? But she's still here, she's still committed to her husband, 
still looking to the Lord, still looking to the future, still hoping against hope. And let me tell you, if you've never experienced it, it's a place of pain. And I know because my wife experienced it, not for the length of time that some other sisters have, but I know it. I come in the house and when my wife wanted to have a baby, lying on the stairs upside down, all cried out. I'm telling you because I know it by ex- at least indirectly by experience. You know what I mean? And, and, and you want to talk to me about power. When that sister comes in and she still greets you with a hug and she still greets you with love and kindness and compassion, I'm like, that's power. That's power. When Job, after going through all that he goes through, imagine, after, all, after him hearing all of that madness about all that he's lost, you know what the man done? The Bible says he shaved his head because he was in mourning. The Bible says he dropped to his knees and he raised his hands and listen to what he said. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. That's just like earlier with us, us hearing Paul talking about the fact that what do I have that I didn't receive? How can I bawl about something that I, I never made? That I never, God graciously gave me that. And he says, he says, the Lord gives and the Lord has the right to take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Tell you if if I, if 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 I could respond, and I'm saying when I hit my drama, like that, you know what? That's power. And and that is what someone else will see when they're going through their drama and go. That gives me that gives me a little bit of hope, you know, in my darkness. See, and understanding this, Paul then says, therefore, you know what? I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses. Hey, that's me. That's my identity, at least in its context. You know what I'm saying? And he says, I'm content with weaknesses, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, verse 10 is a list that we can all relate to. Ecstasy and agony. Blessing and burdens. Pleasure and pain. Have you ever been snorkeling? It's my last illustration I've done. Snorkeling. I've had the privilege of going snorkeling a couple of times. That one time, I was terrified out of my life. Like, we went out in a boat. It's in Jamaica. Went right out in the, in the like, deep in the water. So, it was so deep, I was shook. I think you was there, it was. You weren't worried. Them little was just jumping off the boat into the water. I was like, oh. I was like, the land is so far, so far I can hardly see it. Like, People tell me, I don't know what's in that water. People tell me, like, Jamaica, there's no sharks. Who knows? I mean, we live in a mad world, right? Who knows one day, like this day, and I'm like, was you there, Mikey? I can't anyway, jump off the boat and listen. Literally, as I hit the water, now I'm a man, I can swim, right? I hit the water, and as I look that, I just see things. I couldn't even tell what they were. I just see things moving in the water. And I was like, you know what? And I jumped out. Now, why do I tell that story? <laughs> now, deep water is one. I've snorkeled in shallow water. Please don't hate. You know what I'm saying? It's like, don't be offended um, if you ain't been away for a while. And so just remember, I'm 48, you know. I'm, I'm an I'm a old man now. So, you know what I mean? It was my 25th anniversary. We went to St. Lucia. And we was doing a little bit of snorkeling. And it was real, it was good for, like, real close to the, 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 the water's edge. It was good for me. And when I'm out there and I'm snorkeling, I'm looking around and, I, and, and it's just little fish. So I'm, ha- I'm, little, I'm happy and I'm looking. Now, not because I've seen it, but apparently out in deep, deep water, if you look down at the rocks, there, some of them are jagged and sharp. And, but you see when you come in to like closer to the land, like the rocks, they're not jagged. You know what they're like? They're smooth. 
They're smooth. And it's because way out in the deep, the current doesn't beat against, against it. Because they're so far down, they don't even feel no current. You know what I mean? But it's the stones that are right up close to the beach that the waves are constantly... If you, obviously, if you've been to the beach, right, the waves that come, like they, they don't stop coming in and going out. Coming in and go, And it's those waves, those diff, the, the abrasion, you know what I'm saying, of those waves that actually make those stones smooth. You know what I mean? And there's, like I said, there's no shortcuts. And a transformation that comes as a result, if you like, of our appreciation for our weaknesses in the light of God's strength and those troubles, those calamities, those dramas, those difficulties are actually contributing to changing us, to transforming us. A New Year's revolution, not resolution, because resolutions tend to just be temporary. May God help us to be happy, to be content in our weakness as he progressively transforms us into the image of Christ. Amen. Amen. Don't be ashamed to say that you're weak. I'm going to invite the the guys to come and join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace that kept us last year. And thank you because you faithfully promised that you will continue to keep us. Lord, apart from just giving us power that we so desperately need in our evident weakness. Thank you, Lord. You promised that, wow, that you would never leave us or forsake us. That means we have access, not just, and I don't even want to minimize the power. That's what we've been preaching about today, Lord. I don't want to minimize that power. We need it so desperately. But we only have it, Lord, because we have you. And thank you, Father, that this is not something that is foreign to you. Thank you that Jesus, who is God manifest in the flesh, became a man. And he suffered. The Bible says, even though he were a son, Yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. And therefore Jesus is able to be our high priest. The one who can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, our pain, our struggle, our affliction, our calamity. Because he's experienced it. And on another level, Father, thank you. The dynamics of the Christian life are so helpful. Apart from even being logical, Lord, they are just desperately practical. We can't say you don't know what we're going through. You do. And Lord, would you help us not to be, not to be foolish like the Corinthians were. And over enamored with our gifting or our ability. Or even weakened by our lack of ability, Lord. That we would just come knowing that whatever we do or don't have, Lord, it's, it's all down to you. And fundamentally, Lord, we can rejoice and we can boast in our weakness. How wonderful is that? Because, Lord, many of us, like the text says, Lord, Lord, we're not from noble backgrounds. We're not wise, Lord. Most of us only become wise after we got saved. We were so foolish. And you redeemed us. And you saved us. And Father, Jesus has now become our wisdom. He's be, like me, there's me, I'm up here talking about these great and glorious things. Like I, like I made them up. Father, they're from you. They're from Jesus. And we get the privilege of being able to communicate, but also experience these wonderful truths. Thank you that I can, glory in my, I can boast in my weakness. But fundamentally boast in your strength. Um, because you make that available, graciously available to us. Help our Lord. Let us be transformed and renewed in our mind, in our thinking, with reference to access to your great strength this year. And the beauty of holiness and set-apartedness. And and it's great because people look at us and say, you're not really that great and it's all good. But, But God is great. God is great. And Lord, so many individuals in here can testify to that. 
painfully so, but truthfully so. Lord, would you be great in our lives this 2016, this new year. And we would be quick to boast in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.